Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. No opening day nerves from Chelsea. They've been ruthless. They mean business. Only two unbeaten teams remain in the Premier League. Chelsea beat for the first time this season. It is party time at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 2, Manchester City 0. Liverpool lead the way, unbeaten, the only unbeaten team remaining, 42 points on 16 games. That's it, a stunning performance by the champions, record defeat in the Premier League for Chelsea, and Maurizio Sarri disappears down the tunnel without shaking Pep Guardiola's hand. Callum Hudson-Odoi steps onto the turf for his full Premier League debut. Eden Hazard shows his class. Loftus-Cheek takes aim. It's an enchanting finish from Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Chelsea 3, Brighton 0. And they have got a point at Stamford Bridge. They've got to 40. Sean Dyche and his players have had a wonderful second half of the season. Well, it's finished goalless at the King Park. Maybe frustration for Maurizio Sarri, but he can turn his attention now to the Europa League final on a trip to Baku to take on Arsenal. Chelsea will rue their missed opportunities. This has been a long and difficult season. I'm Pat Nevin. 
This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London Is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Don't worry, not the last episode, much like the last match of the Premier League season. We will have much more content coming at you this summer, but that's where we're at, guys. We are officially at the end of the Premier League season. Dan and Nick are here to take it in with me in all of its glory. Man, 38 matches later, Nick. And I've... I think the general consensus, Dan, is we're glad that it's over and, you know, we're not smiling because it happened. (laughs) That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah, the only thing at this moment I could take solace in is the fact that by finishing ahead of Tottenham, we have entered into the title race. Even though it was ended today, we are now a part of that conversation. Oh, man. Uh, Do you guys remember all the way back in the middle of the season when Spurs proclaimed they were in the title race and then finished a mere 150 points off of the lead. I That's mean, that, that media nonsense. They're just yeah. trying about to 5 million points off the lead. Yeah. 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 You can literally make up any number and it's accurate in this situation. I mean, going from uh, yeah, ending in fourth is an absolute failure, but they're in the Champions League final, so there's that. But anyways, this isn't a Spurs podcast. This is a Chelsea podcast and we will be talking about the Leicester City match. Actually, not really, because nothing happened. But anyways, as always, uh, Dan, we love to give shout-outs for five-star reviews on iTunes, and we had more. That's right. And let's get a little end-of-the-season, end-of-the-Premier-League season rally going. So if you haven't reviewed it now, this is a good opportunity, because you might be thinking, oh, I'm not going to listen as much from the summer. I'm going to check it out occasionally. We wouldn't advocate that, because we've got some good plans put together. But just in case you are going to go into a bit of a Chelsea hibernation mode, go to a beach, kind of enjoy things that are not Chelsea-related for a little bit, which might be a positive mental health thing to do, leave that iTunes review now, five stars. We'll talk about in the next podcast. Like we're about to talk about Bean Brown 19 gives a little five-star review. Talked about getting Mike Ryan Ruiz on this show. He's been on the show before, and yeah. we might run into him, Nick, while we're in Boston which we are very excited to do. May do some live content. Who knows? Uh, he's he's an awesome guy, so we're, we're really happy we were able to connect with him this year. Yes. Uh, we also have Got Rice 1284 from Hong Kong saying that the first 50 seconds have been on replay nonstop. <laughs> I think, Nick, that he is referencing the wonderful... Um, Champions League. Champions League edition of the introduction that we put together heading into the last week's episode. When we finally clinched it, we put ourselves in a position that we weren't going to be concerned anymore, that we were advancing. So that was a very nice place to be. And then our final five-star review that we got, Walker John 23, best soccer podcast out there go blues so thank you to those three individuals we appreciate it leave that five-star review and we'll get you on the next one sure will and also a huge shout out as always to patreon members so john jonathan and jeremy the triple j thank you all for joining uh and at the levels you are we will see you on the discord server which is ben 
an absolute blast. Uh, it is now my new home. I have left Twitter during matches and have just gone there for all of my my fixes of interaction with other Chelsea fans. It is so awesome in there. Mike posts uh, hilarious images, honestly, edits and different things like that. Um, and we source all of our best content from there. Uh, so thank you all for joining and uh, keep it up. It's only going to get better. Uh, so kicking it off, um, well, I guess before we kick it off, Nick, we are going to Boston. And as this comes out on Monday, we will actually be there in less than 24 hours to hang out with all of our New England area Chelsea fans. Correct. Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, we will all be there kind of Tuesday morning-ish and hanging out, doing a little sightseeing. And then we will definitely be at the uh, night before party at the Banshee. So if you're in the area and uh, and going, you know, planning to go to the, the night before party, we will be there. Uh, you know, stop by, say hi. We're, we'll be around, I'm sure, just uh, having a good time, Dan. Uh, having some drinks. Can't miss us with the blue beard, Nick. Yep. Can't can't miss us. Um, well, you, we also be wearing a traditional pirate garb to go with it as Nicholas Bluebeard. Mm, I will not. Um, Come I'm on, already peg leg. I'm, fe- feels like a failed opportunity. <laughs> really could have expanded upon the content opportunity. I'm I'm already playing nice and doing this, so uh, I think we're we're getting about the most that we can out of me on this trip, and uh, then we'll be at the tailgate the next day um, and hanging out with people and creating some content. So. Uh, if you are interested in hanging out or you have a, a great Chelsea story to tell, hit us up and we'll uh, we'll definitely connect. Absolutely love it. And the most appropriate way to kick off this episode is from Mark Clements 225 <laughs> on Discord saying, did Chelsea play today? I mean, Dan, there's, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of buzz online. Um, I didn't hear anything about Chelsea. Well, there, there is a scoreline and it was the 38th match of the season. So, yes, Chelsea did play, but all eyes were on the two other matches taking place that had more significant implications to if the world Spur- was about Spurs to implode. Spurs and Arsenal? Spurs and yeah. Arsenal? Is that who you're talking about? Uh, no, no. I'm talking about if the world was going to implode upon itself to save us all from the terror of Liverpool potentially doing a double trophy situation and winning the Premier League, um, and then Manchester City saving all of humanity from that wonderful fate. You know, City were more like the Avengers, and Liverpool were more like Thanos in that moment. And uh, it's about to get flipped again when we head into the Champions League, Nicholas. But yes, Chelsea did play today, and I believe you described it as a one, a one. What? What, what did you describe I, it as? You described this match a as wet a turd. My gosh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. You guys were 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 slandering me for saying such a. A crass phrase earlier. Yes, it was a wet fart of a game. That's what it was. It was terrible. Nothing really happened, and and we were lucky to not make it out with more injuries. I mean, that's the the summation of what we just went through. It was, you know, it was nice that nothing happened so that we could watch the other matches. But dear God, just poop. It was poopy. It's like the anchor man. He's just talking about poop, anyway poop mouth <laughs> so let's get into it it was leicester city in the premier league at the king power stadium on super sunday may 12 2019 leicester zero chelsea zero quite exciting so uh dan run us through maritza sorry's uh attempt at a remix lineup here yeah a uh, little uh remix to the ignition from Mauricio sorry willie caballero gets the start between the sticks obviously keppa with match day heroic sending us through to Europa League, gets a little bit of a rest, so he will end the season with 14 
clean sheets. And then uh, Willie actually ends up with three in total for the season. Marcus Alonso, Davide Zapacasta, Cesar Aspliqueta, David Luiz make up your back line. Jorginho, Ross Barkley, Ruben Loftus-Cheek make up the midfield. And then Pedro William and Gonzalo Higuain end up being your front three that we start with. We did see Giroud, Hazard, Kovacic come in as substitutes all in the 69th plus minute. So they were not uh, called upon to come out and win the game just to help put it to bed. Kept on the bench along with Andreas Christensen, Emerson, and a, a new name, Nicholas, a name we haven't necessarily seen before in the senior side, but has been involved in Chelsea for a little while now on the U23s and on the Chelsea U team. But uh, Mark Gouet. Go, go, go. Gahey? Gahey? I've know. heard Gahey, Gahey, but who knows? Yeah, I thought it was Gahey. Uh, yes, he was the captain of the World Cup winning England U17 side in 2018. Uh, he scored in the 5-2 victory over Spain. Uh, he just has played a lot of, of major kind of roles uh, as a leader and as a defender uh, in the youth teams. And, um, you know, he's signed his first contract in 2017 with the club. Um, so he's largely been with the development squad. So you, you probably wouldn't have seen a lot of them because they don't actually play as many matches as like the U18s or whatever. But... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good opportunity for him to you know get to experience a Premier League game, Brandon. Like, it has to be a really cool uh, thing. It just sucked that it was this Premier League game, <laughs> right? Yeah, and to travel, nobody got to dress, got to do the warm up, be on the bench in the dressing room for everything. It's just extremely valuable experience for a young player. Pretty interesting from Rizzo Sorry to again leave Cahill off uh, in 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 this situation. Don't know the conversations that have been had at Cobham, but just really interesting. Uh, nice little stat here from uh, Naz, our good friend on Goal.com, saying, smiles from Aspilicueta as he leaves the stadium after his 38th start. He quips, I only missed 15 minutes. Um, that's kind of the standard, actually, for him. Real, No real surprises. Four uh, seasons in a row. That is insane. Well, some of the top-line stats were Chelsea with only 53% possession, 14 shots, 4 on target to Leicester's 9 shots, 3 on target. Uh, pretty even on touches and passes. Um, pretty even on clearances, corners, offsides. It was all just even. Even nothingness is really what it was. Uh, Naz again on the Twitters saying, Chelsea have gone all season without a red card for only the second time in the Premier League era. They have also not had a player suspended for an accumulation of yellow cards. But Nick, that probably is annoying because that means we're soft. I I mean, it doesn't mean we're soft. It could mean that we're smart too. Um, That is actually crazy to me. I I guess I never paid attention to that throughout the year. But yeah, if we didn't have a person accumulate that many yellow cards and we haven't had a straight red in the league like that's that's actually impressive given how erratic some of our play has been dan was it last season that we started the premier league Uh, campaign with two consecutive red cards yeah that was that was cahill and uh and fabregas so yeah well you know diego costa was famed for being like a firebrand but he was able to actually tactically control himself and only get yellows and not get red cards but, uh, yeah, we, we have a keeper who uh, isn't getting himself sent off, and those rules change, too. So, uh, ultimately, you know, I think it was smart, and obviously this might change next season when VAR is introduced and they can go back and look at things uh, retroactively because there are certainly some moments that were questionable 
in how they were officiated, which again, maybe this actually is this the point for us to, to slam on the refs for a little bit and the officials, uh, you know, so just pretend we did that for two minutes and then we can transition to the next point, which is when we talk about goals. Yeah. I'm just kind of bored with it. If I'm being honest, it's just, uh, a constant depressing point. Anthony Taylor is an ass clown. Uh, goals <laughs> were none obviously. So before we get into the match, let's talk about Again, another unfortunate and untimely incident among the Chelsea away supporters brought to you by Dan Levine, which I know a lot of people hate him. We've met him. We follow him. We support him. So, Dan, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Yeah, and just, you know, I heard the fuck Dan Levine chants coming through on the broadcast. So uh, the Chelsea away support was wonderfully loud today. But, you know, the type of things that I would imagine players would want to hear as they get cheered on would be something like a nice song about Eden or the new song about Ruben Loftus-Cheek that's been making its way around. Not, hey, this random journalist that they might not even know, fuck him. But anyway, that's what was happening because five minutes in, Dan Levine was reporting via Twitter that there were already those in the Chelsea end adding racism to the Williams song. Uh, basically, that's so fucking tiresome. And then kind of goes on to talk about the need for the final whistle on hate match. Talked about how the support had sung two songs about Jews, one about gypsies. And then Dan also got a message from a supporter that he knows in the away end talking about how it was a wonderful day at Leicester and the company of the best traveling sport in the country. Particularly enjoyed being serenaded at halftime in the concourse by the old melody of family favorites. No surrender. God save the queen. Spurs are on the way to Auschwitz. Finn is off with a few rousing Sig Heils. Admittedly, only a handful, and the police did say they take action, but enough to make me consider seriously reconsider going to away games again. Good luck, Dan. And, of course, Dan uh, Levine does not shy away from that, has doubled down, and we are in full support of the efforts he takes, the position he puts himself in in terms of potential risk, personal risk, when you report on these things because it definitely gets some people agitated when the spotlight is shown on them. And we did reach out to a couple of our other friends, our other journalists, um, people we know who went to the match and they also confirmed. And again, I, you know, this, there's this, why is there no video? What's going on? Well, you know, it's, it's concourse halftime. It doesn't, you know, maybe, you know, there are situations where it doesn't get seen as an individual. It's a group. And yes, it sucks to have to paint with a broad bunch, but, you know, if you were one of those people singing those songs, you should not even just listen to this show. And I, I would not imagine, Nick, that that is a <laughs> anyone who is a part of our audience. But it's just super unfortunate that this keeps coming up. And I, I just I, I don't know what to say anymore. Like, it's yeah. just getting annoying. Yeah. If you were one of the people questioning whether this final whistle on hate match actually meant something, um, newsflash, it does. I mean, it clearly we can't rid our away support um, of this, you know, tragic uh, chanting and, and racism. And, you know, we, we just have to keep calling it out. Uh, unfortunately, it just, it really sucks that, um, you know, I, I thought we were on a pretty good run there after the new year where, you know, it seemed like a lot of the stuff had calmed down and the Chelsea together movement had kind of banded together and, and made sure that, you know, we were calling it out when we saw it and, you know, look, I mean, the fight's just, we're going to have to stay vigilant in our in our quest to kind of rid ourselves of these songs. I mean, I guess, you know, it's, it's, it just kind of blows my mind that it's 2019 and, 
you know, this is what we end up talking about because this is, you know, the, the worst thing that can happen to our, to our away support who genuinely, you know, outside of these bad eggs are, are really, really loud and boisterous and, and cheer on the team. And, you know, we were there at palace uh, and heard a lot of the same stuff and Brandon, it just, it, it hurts your heart to think about, honestly. Yeah, it's you know, it's uh, we're coming in late to football culture, if that's what you want to call it, and it's very weird for us as Americans to come into this this kind of scene and see it, especially when we've met so many amazing uh, people throughout the Chelsea community that go home and away in Europe and all that and check all the boxes. And just it's, I think if everyone takes a step back, it's just not what any of us want to be associated with at Chelsea. With the Premier League, with European soccer, with European football, and just soccer and football in general, I think like if you just take a step back and think about it like that, it's it's pretty simple. You just don't want to do it, and um, unfortunately, it seems like that culture is uh, stronger in the away fans um, than at the stadiums, and uh, it's just. Leaves a bad taste in our mouth. Obviously, it's not what we want to see. It's not what we want to hear. So uh, we'll continue to support any and all efforts that the clubs make. The club makes to uh, eradicate it, and also just private individuals that are looking to do it as well, such as Dan Levine and all the other journalists who have come together uh, to to disavow it and essentially damn it. So, um, anyways, sad that we have to talk about it, but let us move on to. Digging into the match. So first one, right out the gate. While most of the day's drama was taking place in Brighton and Liverpool, respectively, Chelsea played an actual football match versus Leicester. Surprise. Was there anything you took away from this final match of the season, Dan? Um, obviously, some some headlines you can probably take out of it. Ruben, William, Pedro, Ross. Uh, plenty of devices of opinions throughout those players. But overall... Um, what stood out to you as not the most boring thing? Um, yeah, Ruben looks fantastic. And, and you know, there, were, there were large parts of this game that were not terribly interesting, where it was not, it's clearly not anywhere close to the best football we've played this season. But Ruben, you know, has made some good runs into the box, was continuing to hold up the play well, probably deserved a penalty in this game as well. And Danny Simpson knocked him down and, you know, lightly touched as the maybe announcer said initially um yeah I, I i think that was probably my favorite part of the match things that i did not like and i imagine we could talk about this under your quote wet fart section nicholas unquote is uh Higuain was probably i i'm very very happy that it is a loan and not a permanent purchase because this was just a very disappointing to see him continue to struggle and be a passenger on the pitch and really basically makes you play with a additional hand hide behind your back for as good as he is as a natural, natural finisher when he's got no pressure, he is just not suited to, I think this playing in the Premier league and at the age he's at now where his talents are at now, Nick, and I am happy for his loan to expire. Yeah. I mean, that's no more that really needs to be said about that. I mean, it's just, just hasn't worked and he needs to not be at Chelsea uh, next season. That's, that's pretty much the end of that. I mean, I think in general, I don't think Chelsea necessarily played 
super poorly today by any means, but there was just no no final product at all. And again, I I was lamenting the you know the off game that could happen here because we just played a hundred and. 20 minutes on Thursday and and the team didn't really have a ton to play for, but I thought just playing for pride, finishing third, finishing above Spurs, getting that extra money that you get from, from finishing above them is all good motivation to, to play well. And and the team just really didn't. Uh, It was, it was definitely a a poor performance. I mean, Pedro was, I think, woeful today. Um, Ross, wasn't bad, but when he got his shooting opportunities, just put it right at the goalkeeper time after time after time. Um, you know, but I, it's just, yeah, it just wasn't great. And, and William, who, you know, got the chance to play on the left because Hazard was, was benched, um, or on the bench, not benched, but he was on the bench to start, uh, just didn't, didn't really show a lot. Um, you know, I actually thought that Alonzo had a pretty decent game today, surprisingly. As Maybe you I'm carefully wrong, say it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I wonder if I'm, like, tripping into that. But yeah, Well, he did set up uh, Higuain for a phenomenal goal. And, uh, oh, my God. I mean, just, <laughs> One yeah. of the worst misses of all time. <laughs> um, like, I, I, I will say the other person who, who played well and was let down, I think, was um, Jorginho played a pretty decent yes. game as well. Yeah, yeah had, would, can't say that. Yeah, can't what? say that. No, Alonzo and Georgina in the same game. Stop it! What? Stop it! Um, <laughs> it's just it's the way the season's gone. Of course, they you know step up here right at the end. No, obviously Georgina just continues good form. Uh, Alonzo, when he has time on the wing, he can be good. Uh, when Iguain doesn't kick it into his trailing leg, which is concerning amongst all levels of finishing. Um, you know, today I think it just, I laugh at how we ended up in third. Actually, I just retweeted it from Graham McCary. Uh, what did, here, here are the, uh, the last five matches from everyone chasing top four. Chelsea, one win, three draws, and a loss. <laughs> Spurs, one win, three losses, and a draw. Arsenal, th- one win, one draw, three losses. losses. United, no wins, two draws, and three losses. I mean, what the hell uh, is going on is beyond me. And just the fact that Chelsea ended up in third by having the most boring, dull, goalless draw because Spurs were even more worthless against Everton. I mean, at least they scored, to be fair, but conceded to. It's just, it kind of summed up the second half of the season for me of like, what dumb luck do we have to end up in third? I mean, we don't deserve it, but to be fair, no one else really does either. Well, so so the only caveat I would put in that is that we also had a massively impressive run at the beginning of the season. So um, to kind of bookend this, like we did really well early when everything was going right and we struggled through some really tough periods and found enough results to go our way. Um, and taking advantage of others slipping up as well. So, like, I mean, again, it's not one thing or the other. Like, all these things happened in tandem. So you can say, yes, Spurs struggled, and that helped us get top four but or top three. And you can also be right if you say, well, our early results put us in a place where we could struggle and deal with adversity and still make it out okay. So, I mean, it's not... 
one or the other. Like it's a complete narrative that has to be pieced together. I mean, it. it Brandon's point though is right, um, which is Chelsea didn't outright win this thing. Like it wasn't like a you know the the same as the title race where it was just two, you know two teams kind of exchanging haymakers for the last twelve weeks of the season. It was who who didn't trip over their own feet you know, and, and basically put their nose in front. And I guess we didn't trip over our own feet more, but like, God, I mean, it's disheartening to, you know, it's, it's amazing that we're going to be in the champions league next year. We're all very happy about that. I don't want to like cloud that because we've already kind of celebrated it last weekend, but the manner in which it happened. And I think the manner in which we escaped on Thursday in the Europa league, uh, it's it's not as if this team's just flying high right now, Dan. I mean, we we can't we can't possibly feel like great about the end of this season. No, I, I think that that's fair. I think it's okay. Again, it's a complete narrative, right? Sure. If we 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 have to be able to say that there were really good points in this season too, and be okay with what the end sum of all that is, which is a top three finish, which was heading to two cup finals and potentially um could win one of them and that would be successful but you know by some judgments but i don't know if it's necessarily successful in the way that roman has liked his managers to be successful previously well we definitely know what roman wants and uh i will be really interested to wait and see what happens this summer with Maurizio. we checked the boxes but we didn't really check the style box i think that was kind of the biggest one he was brought in for i mean i think you could have brought in other managers to maybe play a less attractive less open style to still get top four but maritza was brought in to bring in aesthetically pleasing football and it just hasn't happened so anyways we'll have to to wait and see what happens with that but needless to say this match was an absolute uh kind of anticlimactic end to the Premier League season unfortunately so uh real quick we're going to take a quick break when we get back we will be chatting about Maritza Sarri's future as well as one and Azard here we go all right so second question right now is what does this result mean for Maritza Sarri if we take a look at how he's performed versus the other managers and finishes that Chelsea have had since Roman took over the club in 2003, I think that might help us make a little bit of a decision. So at black underscore emoji asking, sorry, has completed the minimum requirements for the season with two finals included. Why all the hate? And at Chef Brink saying, who will the, be the manager next season? Uh, Dan, you have a nice little table in here. Uh, what do you... Walk us through it. What are we looking at? All right. Well, so we, we can repost the table on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot so people can see it. But it's all, all it is is an you know, Excel spreadsheet that basically is just looking at seasons since Roman Abramovich has owned the club. So 2003 all the way through 2018-19, what our league position was, wins, draws, losses, goals for, goals against, goal difference, and points. So those are your columns. Rows are the years. And basically just mapping where this finishes relative to those other 16 seasons. So out of the the sum of 16, a finish in third place is tied for 10th out of 16 spots. Our win total this season of 21 is tied for 12th out of 16th. 
draws at um, nine draws is tied for fifth out of 16th positions. Um, goals for 14th out of 16th. Goals against 13th out of 16th. Goal difference tied for 13th out of 16th. And then total points tied for 11th out of 16th. So really just summing up that Chelsea have very, very high standards. And this creates a problem for anyone because the way that we judge them is through the lens of the past. We take the past and apply it to the current to say, was it successful or not? And you can add some of it to the challenges of players, attrition, the way the club has gone, whatever it might be. But as it relates to the history currently, Nick, like this is not maybe as successful as a season as we've seen previously. And even in recent history, because we only finished two points higher than we did last season. And, um, you know, even at 72 points last season, we still wouldn't have gotten into Champions League football. So like the results of other teams benefited us, like we talked about earlier. But I don't know if you could call this a truly successful season unless we do end up winning uh, a trophy. And even then, like you could still question it or poke at it some ways. Well, right. And we're we're looking at the league, right? I mean, we're not we're not judging this on the Europa League or the FA Cup or the Champions League. I mean, it's if we're looking at the league and we're looking over the last 16 years, 10th, 12th, 14th, 13th, 13th, 11th, and then fifth on draws. But that's not a great place to be (laughs) if you're fifth on draws. So uh, it's below average, right? I mean, I think you, you look at some of our our previous successes and and clearly the 15-16 season as the outlier kind of failure season. And this just, you know, the, I think the thing that you look at is if, um, if, if Sari was brought here to bring an exciting, high-tempo, you know, free-flowing, goal-scoring style of play to the team, um, in comparison to some of the other Chelsea teams out there who – might have been considered more uh, direct or more defensive, you know, goals for 14th out of 16th, you know, um, that's, that's not great. Uh, certainly the, the defense, you know, by Chelsea standards, 13 out of 16, not great. Um, and just total points, you know, I think the, there, there's just been this mentality gap where the team has not been able to close in recent seasons. And it's been, really difficult to watch because we all grew up with a team that was just so mentally solid, Brandon, that um, you, you never really doubted if we went up one nil that we were going to win the match. So uh, I think by all accounts, like there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to do here and, and it's, it can be that the league is stronger now or that the top four is stronger than maybe in previous seasons, but Chelsea based on these performances, is not where they need to be. Sure aren't. Uh, not from a fan's perspective, probably not from an owner's perspective, and definitely not from a manager's perspective. Um, what were they saying? It's the Frankfurt match that one of the journalists was distracted because Maurizio Sarri was yelling the entire match because the players just weren't doing what he wanted to. They, this team is nowhere close to what Maurizio Sarri wants out of them, and we are an entire season further ahead than we were when we started this project, which is scary because Danny talked about the really strong run we had at the beginning. 34, 33 matches later, we actually look significantly worse than what we did, which is the weirdest thing about it. Um, We have some quotes from the club here. 
from Rito Siri. He describes his first season with the Premier League as a difficult one, but at the end, we are happy as we finished third and played one final with another to come. A very important match, he says, is that could make the season wonderful. Asked if he will be here next season, Rito Sari says that the club asked him to reach the Champions League and that target has been achieved. He adds how much he likes the Premier League and he would like he would like very much to stay here. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that that would make sense to me that if you were told your target is to get back get back into Champions League that can't and finish be the top only 4, one, right? Well, it's probably priority number 1, you know, when you look at, you know, the finan- just the financial benefit alone and then you think about the talent attraction that comes with playing Champions League football. I mean, you know, one of the rumored targets or a fan favorite target and you know, Nicolas Pepe plays for Lille, has said he would only want to go to a Champions League team, you know, playing in the Champions League, which, you know, he could do at uh, Lille now, which is great for him, but he could also come do that at Chelsea. So, yes, part number one has been hit. Part number two, as we all know, is a Chelsea is a four trophies, not a for-profit organization. So he would also probably would want to win a trophy to help ensure that he gets the additional time at Chelsea to continue to work on this project and to move forward within it you know because he also was asked if you'd like to stay here and says that you know he likes the Premier League so good for him but I you know Nick it won't necessarily be up to him it's going to be up to again the results continue to speak for themselves and paving the way forward for him to continue here yeah look I, I think again we have to balance the good with the bad right the good is that we're in the Champions League next season the good is that we potentially could win another significant European trophy uh, although not the one that we want, obviously. Um, the, the bad is that there has been a lot of unsteady fan support this year. There's been a lot of drama. There's been a lot of hard-headedness, stubbornness. There's been a lot of uh, players not maximizing the opportunities that they've been given. There's been a lot of, you know, I think there's just a talent deficit in the squad in the squad compared to some of these other teams. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of work to do and the club has to, has a big job to do ahead. Uh, we'll touch on this in part two, but, uh, they have to figure out, is he the right guy to take us forward? So we made the champions league. Is he the guy to help us advance in the champions league? That's a big question. Uh, is he the guy to, to ensure that our league form is good enough next year, even with a smaller, you know, a, a smaller, less talented squad than maybe Liverpool or city, to, to remain in that competition. And then, you know, is this the guy that we want to trust with our transfer policy? Because he has clear, um, you know, kind of preferences on, on who we bring in to fit the style. So if all those answers are yes, we'll go one way. If all those answers are no, then we'll go another Brandon. I mean, that's kind of how I, how I felt about it. And it's just tough to kind of predict what will happen now right i mean look i've been it's probably annoying how much i say it over and over there's just so many variables going into the season uh everything comes down to the transfer ban that will guide everything um because if the club have free reign to do whatever they want this summer they might take that opportunity to make a change or not it's just it's it all comes down to that i think for me um, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, interesting little tweet here from Simon Johnson saying CFC accrued two more points than last season. Their total of 72 wouldn't have been enough to finish in the top four last season, let alone third. Well, good thing we didn't 
get 72 points last season. Actually, that probably would have been a good thing. Um, you would have needed 76 to finish top four last season. Yeah, but it Spurs would have been an improvement. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to the massive headline uh, that has just been slowly dripping out Sunday as the match has ended and into the afternoon for us over here stateside is Ed Nazard's comments, um, Reese Sarri's comments, and uh, pretty much everything about the Belgians' future. So he's Chelsea's top goal scorer in the Premier League this season and the league's leader in assists. Luke on Discord says, just a little question to be answered here on the pod, but how truly, how high are the chances of Ed Nazard leaving and what in the Lord's name are we going to do if he's gone and the transfer ban is withheld? Now, Nick, that would be the new darkest timeline. Ed Nazard leaves, we get less than $100 million, and the transfer ban is uphill. Yeah. <laughs> correct. Yeah, correct. Um, so, I mean, to to answer Luke's question, I you know, and we'll we'll go through the comments. Dan will Dan will read out what has been released today, but the chances of him leaving throughout the year have, I think, in my mind, kind of always remained steady. I think you know he was always going to go. I think Real Madrid will figure out a way um, via the right transfer fee and some other stuff to to get the deal done, and he will fulfill a life dream uh, to go play for them. So, uh, you know, I think, what you know, nothing's done until it's done, and I don't think anything will be released until after the Europa League final because he is respectful of the club. But, Dan, I mean, this is just the way it's trending, man. Like, there's no – I don't think Chelsea are in a position to really do anything about this or convince him to stay at this point. No, and, you know, you can't fault someone for – wanting to play at a club that they saw and had aspirations to play for at the time they were kicking a ball around and <clears throat> as a young child. So I don't fault and Hazard for wanting to go. I think that unlike others who have left sometimes and forced their way out and made a big meal of it, that again, he's done so in a manner that is respectful uh, saying that I've made my decision. I wanted it to be cleared up earlier, but that hasn't happened. I'm still waiting like you are waiting. I don't think finishing top four makes any difference. I've made a decision. That's it. I've told the club a few weeks ago. So I think a couple of things that we've been waiting for was the club to get the official answer with a contract potentially being on the table that could have been signed that would have tied him up here probably through his most productive remaining playing days. And now it's the cat and mouse game between Real Madrid and Chelsea to figure out what's the path forward and can they come to some type of agreement on what the fee is and if we can come to the agreement what the fee is which Chelsea are going to obviously value one year remaining on contract for Eden Hazard way more than Real Madrid are and you know it's going to be the game of chicken and see who blinks first and yeah I think one of the things that you know, sometimes when buying players, we've really struggled because we either end up, over, you know, paying maybe a little bit more because we get caught in a position where we haven't planned accordingly. That's more on a planning issue than a buying issue. I think when it comes to selling players, though, Brandon, we have always found a way to maximize value and even create some additional value that we might not have thought a player actually merited. So I would give the nod to... Chelsea's board to Marina and getting the right fee negotiated that puts the club in the best position and gets Ed and Hazard to Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. To be honest, if she if Marina has shown us 
uh, anything in the past and she doesn't talk in the papers or anything. It's that she, in situations like this where there's a clear cut target and there is a fee to be negotiated either way, either buying or selling, she does a pretty good job historically on, on kind of getting the max fee, Brandon. So, I mean, no, that's I don't, true. Like, so I don't think she's going to mess around by any no, means. No, no, no. We've actually talked about this. Chelsea are fantastic at selling players. They're just shocking at buying players. <laughs> like the irony in that is is just too much for me to handle. Uh, but you're right. They do a really good job um, of maximizing the value of players, especially mid level players. So you'd think it'd be a very easy um, position to move one of the the, the world's best players. Uh, on his day, very, very hard to compete with, if if at all. Um, it just, it's a, it's a gut punch, obviously, to, to have it happen. But I would say he's, I think he's been generally respectful about how he's gone about it. I know this is a multi-year plan for him. <laughs> I think if it were up to him, he would have had this move a couple seasons ago. But winning the league, uh, you know, with Antonio Conte, with Jose Mourinho, probably bought Chelsea some time. But our pathetic performances in the Champions League and, you know, not really building when we had chances probably hurt us quite a bit. Um, and hopefully the club can learn from that, that, um, you know, having one world-class player, you know, maybe two isn't enough. Well, well, and look, when when, when the thing is done, either way, we will dedicate some time to talking about either kind of what he's going to bring to the future of Chelsea or, you know, his Chelsea career and, and pay the respect that, you know, I think he deserves, but it's, you know, it is just hypothetical still like none of these quotes are that interesting to me. Cause that's been what has been said the entire time, Dan, like the, it, it's always just been this, you know, a very vague, I know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. I know what I want to do. And, you know, now the club knows, so we'll figure it out after the Europa League final. So just enjoy these couple of weeks, and, and hopefully we get to see him make a small cameo in Boston. That's all I can really think about. Best, best case scenario is they buy the replacement in advance and then sell him. Because once you sell him and the cash is in our pocket, like signing a new player is virtually impossible. We already have Christian Pulisic, Brandon. He's in. <laughs> He's our guy. That would be the best most amazing forward thinking contingency planning this club has ever done if that were the case and then cho ruptured his achilles so shit yeah and i think it's more that pulisic is the william slash pedro replacement and you know, a left wing replacement and, and not to block the path of calum hudson adoy but again no no, no. you don't replace and hazard with one person right like and hazard contributed 16 goals and 15 assists led the league in Premier League in assists this season led Chelsea in goals scored like you don't replace him with one person when the team output is that low you are replacing him with a top tier center forward you're replacing him with another left winger who can score like you need to add multiple bodies to this side to replace the way that he is outputted and hopefully then the rising tide lifts all ships because we have become a, if Eden Hazard isn't having a great game, you're hoping that it's a really, really lucky set of circumstances that allows us to make our way forward, Nick. And I, I think the only silver lining that potentially exists in this is that we 
potentially find a path forward with investing in some new talent that makes us a little less reliant on individual performances and actually the way that City does or the way that Liverpool has done, yep. that when one player is out of form, that you have other players who can step up and the results are just a little bit more consistent. Totally. Uh, the, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, I think the, you know, he is, he's both the blessing and the curse, right? Because, because we've relied on him so many times in crucial situations and because he's delivered more often than not, you know, it's it kind of, you know, the rest of the team's mentality, it I think drops, you know, it takes a guy like, a Diddy or Drogba or a Diego Costa or a Lampard who are are equally as hungry as a guy like Eden Hazard to to make you know him not stand out as much and we've we've just had very few of those players since he's been at Chelsea and and that's the the shame that you were mentioned earlier I mean it's if if you want to know you know if you want to think about how we're going to play without him next year and and if we had to keep all the same talent like. This Leicester game was it, essentially. I mean, for the first 65, 70 minutes, it wasn't great. And the the uh, replacements for his production are not currently in this squad. So it has to be a center forward. Like that that will Or two. You can play two at one sure, time. That's what well. that's what I'm going. I, like Arsenal had two of the three golden boot winners in, in tied fifth. Or I know they didn't, but they had Aubameyang there. One, one of the yeah, three. Yeah, Lacazette, he was right there with them. That's my point, is that they can't defend at all, but yet have guys banging in the goals. And they've crushed in the Europa League because they can score. If Chelsea... Yeah, I'm still shocked that they were not a top-four side. Like, it, I mean, it all came down to defense for them, but the way that they scored, they, they should have taken one of the two spots that we oh, or absolutely. Spurs occupy. But look, they didn't score in their last couple of matches, and that was their downfall in the end. But it it gave them so much breathing room and life and excitement. I mean, think about it. If we had someone who could score, you take some of the Jorginho potential assists that go in, uh, assists from our outside backs, from our wingers. All of a sudden, like the place is lifted because the chances that we are creating are getting converted. Sorry ball looks horrific when you don't score i get it and so that has to be the number one priority for chelsea to be fair any system would look bad if you don't score yeah but but like even well, more painting I mean, it, it right could with be... all that possession and and the and the patience and the ball movement i mean i think it's a little bit different if you're cardiff defending for 90 minutes and looking to break on the counter it was the opposite chelsea had the ball the whole time but did jack shit with it and I think that is like an even bigger concern. Those wingers aren't going to cross it to Iguain or Marata because they know they're not going to do anything with it. So we ended up just dancing with it on the on the sides of the 18 just way too much this season. So I, I will say on another positive note about finished placement, because we've kind of made a little bit of the transition there, is at least we're not Man United who oh. lose to Cardiff in the last day of the season and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer gets the chant from the Cardiff fans saying that you're just a shit Neil Warnock, which is a phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal oh chant as they go down. God. Terrific. That, uh, you know, it's the, the oh. person who uh, gets off on the elevator and left the fart there for them to enjoy as they continued their way down, Nicholas, to end your analogy. Uh, thank you very much for that. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, as look, as crap as we were, we finished two points above Arsenal. And six points above Manchester United. I mean, I like 
we're going to look back on, on this season in five years and wonder how. And we just have to remind ourselves that it was complete and utter shithousery from the other three teams in this race. Um, and, and that somehow we were able to cross the finish line, um, you know, intact and, and who knows, like for all the darkest timeline stuff, you know, we, you know, we can look at the league or the table here in a second, the, the brand of the match pool Do it for, for, for all of this stuff, <laughs> maybe this is the thing that kind of reignites people within the club to, to try and sort out some of the longstanding issues. I mean, that's the hope. Yeah, well, uh, we did do a man of the match, brand of the match, day of the match poll. And uh, yeah, the, on a nil-nil draw, Nick, you can't put a player in Keppa. there. That's a bad thing. Yeah, Keppa on the on the sidelines. We're giving him extra credit from his finish in the Europa League shootout penalty situation. Um, no, I I, uh, I threw a couple extra names in there in the, co- the spirit of the collective blues who brought a little bit more to the table today because again, darkest timeline would have been Liverpool lifting two trophies this season. It couldn't happen, but four players made sure it didn't, which was Aguero, Gundogan, Laporte, and Mares. The perfect people to put in a poll because they at least scored a goal today. <laughs> yep. I mean, I don't love Man City players in our poll, but at least they were able to win the league and Liverpool had to kind of cry their way out of it a little bit. But now, unfortunately, we have to root for Liverpool to win the Champions League, which is a vomit-inducing thought. But we also, I think, collectively uh, identify that it's the lesser of two evils, for sure. Yeah, uh, Spurs winning the Champions League would be absolutely dreadful. No That, that, that cannot way. happen. Cannot happen. And if uh, I guess from like a contextual standpoint... You know, the individuals, us included, really like to sing that we're the only team in London with the European Cup. That song goes out the window the moment Spurs win. And while it would be, you know, very ultra 2018-19 where everybody gets a wonderful participation trophy, um, that's, that's not it. You know, Liverpool has won the Champions League before. So it's okay for them to win it again. Could you imagine if that, is my if that was the only trophy they had and it was the biggest one? <laughs> that it'd be the worst. I, I can't. I, I I can't imagine it. No, and and I don't want to even entertain. Because that, that trumps thought. everything. Oh, you haven't won a Premier League title, but we won the Champions League. You haven't won the FA Cup. Well, we won the Champions League. It's two teams legitimately that haven't won the Premier League in like seventy something combined seasons who are in the Champions League final. It's absolute ball absolutely is, is what that is so here is the final premier league table standings as it lies manchester city at the top on 98 points they won five of the last five and you know who else won five of the last five liverpool on 97 points brutal plus 72 goal difference for city plus 67 for liverpool um that's the most points in a season without winning the league yeah Previously, 89 points for Manchester United, 2011-2012. So so there's that. So there's a lot of green bubbles in the top two. They go away for third, fourth, and fifth. <laughs> uh, Chelsea in third, stealing it uh, out from under Tottenham and 72 points. Tottenham in fourth on 71. 
Arsenal fifth on 70, and Man United squabbling away in sixth on 66 points. Credit to Wolves, by yep. the way, who finished seventh at 57 points for a newly promoted team. They that's, are excellent. That's unreal. And and just you have to you have to give Nuno and his entire team a bunch of credit because they were by far the toughest of the rest to play against, in my opinion. And, you know, we we were lucky to get a draw against him at home. So um, just absolute credit to Nuno. He's a guy that I would look to for a, a next Chelsea manager. So they're on seventh on 57 points. Eight is Everton, nine Leicester City, 10 West Ham, 11 Watford, 12 Crystal Palace, 13 Newcastle, 14 Bournemouth, 15 Burnley, 16 Southampton, and 17th is Brighton. Again, they stay up on. Believable. Uh, going down in automatic relegation is Cardiff City, Fulham, and Huddersfield Town. So there's that 16 that points right. total for Huddersfield. That is abysmal. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. And Fulham, <laughs> Fulham, look, you want to talk about the team that, that we thought could, could potentially do what Wolves did and then just absolutely shit it down their leg. Fulham or spent over a hundred million in the summer. It's a bad football team right there. They're, uh, they're not good. So all those teams deserve to go down. Sheffield went, no Sheffield United. And who else from the championship so far confirmed Norwich, yep, Norwich uh, are confirmed. And then the last, you know, we talked about the, we'll talk a little bit about the championship uh, playoffs in the, in part two. So, so tune in plenty of Chelsea implications in that one, but yes, that is it. This is the final match review of the Premier league season. Again, of the Premier league season, we will be back for post Baku uh, and we'll be back for post Boston final with some hate as well. So until we kind of get to that point. Um, thank you all from the bottoms of our heart, listeners. Uh, you are community, not just our listeners. And we thank all of you for leaving five-star reviews, for joining us on Patreon, talking to us on Discord, talking to us on social media, sending us emails. Thank you all so much uh, for making the season way better than what it would have been if we just went through this by ourselves. <laughs> I mean, honestly, could you imagine that, Nick? Oh, uh, no. No, thank you guys so much. We yeah, were- you make it better every week. We were struggling there in the middle of the season. You guys really gave us a lift. So thank you big time. We will not stop with the content, though, so you can look forward to more of that. Again, we will be in Boston tomorrow. So make sure to find us if you're there. We'd love to meet up with as many people as we can. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.